there's a considerable amount of wah wah in there. Wow, 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 wow. It's like a Metallica situation or something. 80s something. Well, we are talking about the horror films that made us. Yeah. Yeah. Today on the show, we are going to talk about the horror films that made us, which is, of course, a rip on that TV show that's called The Films That Made Us. I think that's what it's called. Anyway, we wanted to talk about the horror films that made us. And I imagine we will talk about this more than once. I believe but... it's called move, The Movies That Made Us. Oh, okay. There we go. It's a rip on that. Maybe I'll use that then. The horror movies that made us just to be in line with the inspiration. The first movie that I would mention is the movie Alien from 1979. We are just about to have an episode, so please come back for that, where we talk about the entirety of the Alien franchise. So come back next week for that. When I was, I don't know how old I was, but my... <laughs> so here's why Alien is important to me. It's a personal story. When I was a kid, Alien came out in the movie theaters. And I am a member of Gen X. I was, you know, a rogue agent. I was feral and lived on the street. <laughs> had a latchkey. Latch I was kid. a latchkey kid. So it would not be a strange thing for a parent of a Gen Xer to take them to the movie Alien when they were a child. All I remember is that my stepdad, my mom, myself, and my stepbrother went to the movies. And, you know, if obviously you've watched Alien, hopefully, and if you haven't, please do so before next week's episode, because we're going to talk all about the franchise. There's a moment f about 40 minutes in, it's that where the horror really starts. Mm -hmm. For 40 minutes, you are freaked out. It's incredibly atmospheric and scary, but nothing gory or awful really happens. You're just trying to figure out what is going to happen. And so there's tension building, of course. But 40 minutes in, the doodad bursts out of the stomach of the dude at the breakfast table. And I put my head in my mother's lap and stayed there for the rest of the movie. And I remember... I would get bored because I was just resting there <laughs> and I would look up and I, I have this vivid memory as a kid of looking at my stepdad and my stepbrother's faces and how, and how happy they looked like how mesmerized and like they were just enjoying themselves. You know, when you look at people who have the flicker of the movie light on yeah. them, it's such a visceral memory for me. And that's sort of what these movies today we're going to talk about are is not so much the list of the greatest hits or the movies that you really love. Although alien is still one of my top favorite movies. It's more like what movies had that visceral impact on us as mm -hmm. kids mm -hmm. that we still remember. And Alien, because of that experience, and I was terrified. And of course, at that moment in time, I was like, I'm never going to watch anything scary again. Like, that oh, yeah. was profoundly awful. Yeah. Like, what are you it doing still to me? I mean, well, we're going to talk about this on the series, but the movie still stands after all. It this really time. does. It really does. But, stands yeah. the test of time. Yes. Well, that's so that's my first one. <sighs> Kathy, over to you. My first memory and like Shannon, I'm a Gen Xer as well, which means 
your parents, for the most part, I mean, give or take some families, I understand I'm making a general statement here as like, horror was like turning on in the cartoons in the yeah, 80s. Yeah, our general reputation as Gen Xers is that we like, did whatever we wanted. We did whatever we wanted. <laughs> and it's true in a lot of Without ways. a helmet. <laughs> That's right. So, or a GPS, okay? Or knee pads so on my bikes. I'd go over to my mom. So my grew up right next door to my mom's best friend. They were like right behind. We had the whole gate that connected the yards. The dogs would run back and forth. <laughs> nice. And so when I was real little, you know, my brothers were older, they'd be at school and I'd go over to my mom's best friends who's still her best friend to this day, which is sweet. She kind of grew up like uh, an aunt to me. Nice. And she's the reason I think one of the reasons my mom too, and one of my brothers, they all were huge horror buffs still are. And I think that from a very early age, I was exposed to some really grotesque slashers. And I remember one day my my mom and her friend were sitting in the kitchen and I was in the living room like playing and all of a sudden my mom's friend Donna has just a horror movie playing on like VHS that she probably recorded <laughs> off of HBO. Yeah. And it's the movie Happy Birthday to Me. It's a 1981 slasher film directed by Jay Lee Thompson starring Melissa Sue Anderson, who was the blind girl on, on Little House on the Prairie. Oh my God. Oh uh, God. She played Mary. Oh God. The plot of, uh, revolves around six brutal murders occurring around a popular high school senior birthday. The film was shot in Montreal, upstate New York. Okay. So I'm all of four. <laughs> okay and i'm sitting there going oh my god there's a there's a woman's eyes are being taken out of her head and put into a glass jar and she had just been like kidnapped <laughs> murdered probably raped and then in another scene the cover box by the way of this movie because that's another thing for this this time cover boxes and posters yeah I mean, we're everywhere. You yeah, walk like into a video store. Like the alien poster is iconic. This one too. So it's a guy in his leather jacket. His eyes are wide open. His mouth is wide open. And there is a skewer with vegetables <laughs> and steak on it that's going ah, straight through. He's like, Literally the picture isn't appropriate yeah. for a four-year-old. <laughs> so I remember thinking in my mind, like, God, I hope no one ever does this to me. I like mean, whatever, what four-year-old is sitting there hoping they don't get murdered? I would like a skewer not to be in my face. And I'm like, uh, mom, you know, and, and she comes to the living room. She's like, okay, yeah. Um, so, so the four-year-old had to tell the mom. Then some from there, I was terrified and intrigued. I right, think that's what we connect. Paired yeah. association to that, so that was my first one, and it, it's it's still a weird fucking movie. Oh yeah, and we've watched it together. Actually, yeah, and I was and, terrified to and watch it. You were terrified again, <laughs> but then you survived, and all was well. But yeah, I think that's a really important point too: is that paired association because I'm aware that what I said about being scared and really not wanting to watch and covering my eyes by basically like laying in my mom's lap with my face buried <laughs> with my hands over my head, but also getting bored and like moving around and seeing my stepdad and, and his son mesmerized. And, and I think that the reason why I remember that is because it was so intriguing. Yeah. Like, I was like, yeah, so they're like experiencing they're experiencing it really different than I am. Yeah. Why is that? Yeah. So yeah, that makes sense to me. The next movie that I would talk about is The Exorcist. Oh. So I also saw The Exorcist too young. <laughs> In line with our upbringing. 
apparently generationally. Here's the thing. I grew up in a family that had some loss. Every family does. And one of the reactions to that loss that my mother had was to become, let's say, slightly more religious than your average bear at the time. Now, she was never punitive. It wasn't that kind of religiosity. It was uh, a way for her to manage her grief. Mm -hmm. And I even knew that at the time. Like as a kid, I knew that. Mm -hmm. And I, she may have even said it, and maybe that's how I knew it. But it because it was uh, literally cause and effect, loss, and then all of a sudden we were in church. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, and it wasn't her first rodeo with church. It was just that's what took her back to church. So at that time, and maybe many Gen, Gen Xers will resonate with this, people did something called becoming born again. It's part of the Christian Christian faith and sort of evangelical. And my aunt be, was a very evangelical person and, you know, speaking in tongues. I went to her church sometimes too, which was a heck of a good time. Oh, were they throwing snakes? Oh, we spoke in tongues. We ministered to the homeless absolutely on the side of the roads. Uh, we were, you know, holy rollers, as they say, like praise Jesus at the dinner table. My grandmother, my aunt were praising Jesus like like out, charismatic out their assholes every yeah. like every after every bite of mashed potatoes like it was <laughs> this is good praise the lord i just oh, oh for sure praise that is jesus. like praise my jesus. like my uh, holiday dinner tables for i would say three four five years there when i was like preteen, something like that oh mg mm. it's a delightful i really have always wanted to write the, those scenes just for fun because it was just <laughs> fucking hilarious i mean you know you're all holding hands just praying for the turkey or whatever and yeah. you got my aunt going praise jesus oh, praise jesus praise jesus <laughs> thank you dear lord da, 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 da. and like mumbling to herself. jesus is like i get it yeah jesus is like thank you <laughs> appreciate you eat your fucking turkey okay so that's the context right so then seeing the exorcist <laughs> <laughs> demons <laughs> the demons like i like that period of time and again it wasn't my whole upbringing and it wasn't it didn't even last my whole upbringing it was this like three to five year period right in the middle like i had an acdc poster that was devil worship of course and it was like velvet and everything and like i would hide it behind my door so that i hoped she wouldn't see it and then of course she found it and ripped it down so it was that kind of period of life got it so the exorcist and the demons and i was convinced that <laughs> i was going to be vomiting green yeah. and possessed and my head was going to be turning you around were a, you were a secular child and there was going to be a cross in my hoo-ha and that you know the demons were coming and i was going to pee <sighs> on the floor because of course no kid wants i mean the, the the worst thing that happens in the first you know 35 minutes is that she pee the kid reagan pees on the floor yeah <laughs> it doesn't get real bad for a while but yeah i do remember i i didn't grow up that way but i grew up catholic and i remember thinking like, what if I get possessed? Yeah, I was baptized Catholic. Yeah. So my other side of my family for the first however many years, like I went to I, I went to Catholic school when I was 
in like when I was like five, six, seven years old and I had a first communion. And I mean, this was Massachusetts. Yeah. Catholicism. You know, no, the that movie, I mean, even now. And so I, we were all a little bit all over the place. <laughs> and I, I know that, you know, these possession movies aren't taken as seriously as they were in the seventies and eighties, just because of, you know, right. the way we view religion now is a little bit different, but if you watch, and we're going to do a series on The Exorcist too with, with the the new one coming out. But if you watch that original, I think to me what's so terrifying is, yes, if you look at it from like a religious movie, it's sure it's scary, but it was who this child became and then the, the helplessness of the mother because Ellen Burstyn was so brilliant in that role. She was so good. That you, you it's... To me, when I watch it, it's more saddening than it is terrifying, even though she is still incredibly terrifying when you watch it. Yeah. It's so depressing. When, and when I watched it at too young of an age, I was terrified. Oh, that, my God. That yeah. movie gave me nightmare. Like, I was absolutely terrified. I'm, yeah. I don't have a lot of memories of that movie from when I first watched it. Right. Because so, a couple of the scenes, of course, for the very famous ones are the ones that imprinted so oh, strongly First time on you me, see her with that makeup on? That the rest of it I don't didn't yeah. even remember. Yeah. I watched out! <laughs> yeah. It's it okay. Was, we it don't need you lot. to open that up. We don't want you to flood. <laughs> oh, no was just a little bit in line with what was what yeah. was up what was up with the demons man Oof. yeah and then i went back to church and forgot all about it okay cool. i wasn't scarred i'm so glad in fact i became a horror fan you did <laughs> and that's what happens to us yeah right yeah and and i probably became you know the paired association with that one is probably just like i was not allowed i was not supposed to be watching that the movie the power of christ <laughs> compels you ah your mother the, sucks cocks in hell okay don't do this to me, Tammy. Don't, don't do it, Tammy. <laughs> so I have a memory. Do ya? Of the original 1978 Halloween. <gasps> and this became a... First I was terrified, and then it became one that now just plays constantly through the season. So for those of you who've been following Keeps us... Keeps you company. <laughs> yeah, for those of you who've been following us for, you know, our past, you know, however many, five seasons... Uh, you all know that um, my birthday is two weeks before Halloween. So I am a Halloween baby. I grew up having Halloween birthday parties and scavenger hunts in the fall and the smell of leaves and all of that. That I grew up in a Haddonfield type of sub. She was birthed in blood. Birthed in Haddonfield. <laughs> so when I first saw it, I was, uh, I saw it after it had, come out otherwise I would have been like a baby if I saw it when it first came out so it was a <laughs> right. few years later we were at my my cousin's house and my brothers they were they're a little bit older and they decided to all, all my cousin my older cousins and my brothers they, they all decided to put it on I remember being having a blanket over me wow and I was maybe like five or six or something and I remember the music I had my head covered because I knew it was going to be scary. And then, you know, those old Afghans, like with the little holes in them, <laughs> yeah. right? So this, this, the moment where the music, not the theme, but the music that like the soundtrack, I can't really do it, but no, no. Um, where the sister's about to get stabbed oh. at the very beginning, oh. I open my eyes in that scene. I'm like, first of all, I'm sitting there as a little kid going, wow, those are boobs. Secondly, yeah. I see a little Important boy stabbing detail. his sister in the boobs. And as a little kid, That's it was a, like, 
it was a lot. That's a mess. It right was there. a real big fucking mess. Um, and then I, just like you with Alien, I had the blanket over, and every once in a while I would open my eyes yeah. and I would see Michael. And and then from there, I grew to you know grew up, started watching it. It was a long time though from that time to when I watched it all the way through. Yeah. And I still think to this day, <laughs> the scariest part of that movie for me is where he is out in the middle of the day. And my favorite time of day on the actual Halloween day on the 31st is that after school period till trick or treating time. There is this Halloween energy in the air where people are inside. They're not going out because they're either getting their costumes on or refreshing their costumes or eating, especially if you grew up in the Midwest. And there's this quietness, this crisp fall, quiet, kind of eerie yet cool smell and feeling in that scene in the film where it's that time of day. Cause remember he sees Tommy in the yard of the school. He's walking down the street and it's about that three, three thirty period. That's still a few hours before trick or treating that scene hits me because I remember that being my favorite time of day on Halloween day. It still is. Yeah. Yeah. That middle of the day right before. And I grew up in suburbia as well, not in the part of the country that you did, but it was the same. Same thing. It, yeah. It, yes. That was when I was out and about. Mm -hmm. And at that time, now our climate has changed quite a bit. But at that time, when I was a kid, teen, it was cold. Yes. And it's October's not cold anymore in this area, but it was cold. It was crisp. It was fall. Mm -hmm. And there was that you know, it was getting darker earlier all of a sudden. And there was this real finite couple of hours where it was cool. Everybody would come home from school. So everybody wasn't out, but then they were going to go back out until the streetlights came on, People's you know, pumpkins are out. Yeah. And yeah. we would just roam the neighborhood on our yeah. bikes. Very ET, very, <laughs> you yeah. know, we would just do that. And you're right. There's a, there was a stillness to it because it had turned cold. And so, you know, in Southern California, when it would turn cooler, there'd be a moment when it was like you didn't want to go out. Yeah. And then you kind of rally and get your coats and then you, you know, go through the, yeah, the quote unquote winter. And you were out to like 11. There wasn't yeah. any of this like be back by 730. Yeah. I'm like, my parents didn't even know where I was. Yeah, Gen X was not. No. <laughs> yeah. Cops were called because yeah. they they didn't know where I was. <laughs> but you said. You I'm know. on my second pillowcase of. I know what I said, but 11 is too mm. much. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, that's that's a lovely thing. And yeah, Watching Halloween, though that that moment, those moments in the movie when he's out in the day, because the first, of course, her first interaction without seeing him is when they're walking home yep. from school and he's behind a bush or whatever, and she he never sees him. Out. Yeah, but that's like right after school, walking home. Yep. Oh, I walked home from school. That's still the scariest part of the movie for me. Yeah, when he's just like. Like when he's in his full psycho and he's just walking around. Well, and around you think like people are just at home yeah, at that time of day, yeah. probably having an after school snack. Michael's just, you know. Everybody, every horror monster was terrorizing suburbia at that point. Awesome. <laughs> and those of us who lived in suburbia were like, really?
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So the last one I'm going to talk about today... We each picked three for today. So we have one of mine and one of Kathy's left. The last one I want to talk about, and and I I have so many that I could talk about, as I'm sure you did. But but I thought that I would talk about Carrie. Nice. 1976, based on Stephen King's book. It was like his first book uh, that made him very, very famous and was made into a movie. Very famously, Sissy Spacek played Carrie in the movie. And I just remember, and of course, like you were saying, I didn't watch these movies in the theater. The Alien story, that's the only one that I saw. <laughs> You're like, I'm never going the back. I probably <laughs> never went back. Yeah, fuck it. <laughs> so it was definitely a situation where like, I wasn't supposed to see it. But here's the thing. Here's the part where, here's where the Gen X comes in. <laughs> I read Stephen King books very, very early. And I think maybe because my mom didn't know what they were. Maybe. I don't know. Because she was real fast to find, like, my Judy Bloom books that had, like, any kind of sexiness in it. Uh-oh. But the Stephen King books, I was reading them. I read all of those books from the, like, 70s and 80s or whatever. So I had read Carrie... And again, he was a pretty new author at the time. I had read Carrie and it was terrifying because it was a teenage girl being bullied. And and now bullying is something that we are paying attention to and talking about in our media and it's a rampant issue. But at the time, it wasn't something that ever got talked about. And also... It was uh, Stephen King writing a story about a teenage girl being bullied. So that was interesting. That movie to me is still hard to watch because to me it's more depressing. It is very Um, depressing. It's sad. It's very sad. I remember the first time I watched it, I felt like, wow, they did a really good job at making being a teenage girl the most miserable identity to have. Mm -hmm. Because the idea of the hardness of it, getting a period and becoming sexualized and everything's put on the girl, especially at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember thinking like, wow, they just made being a teenage girl like the worst possible thing you could be. And I thought that was so depressing because I didn't really feel that way. But when they I watched it, it a scary thing, they made it a scary thing. They made it a depressing thing. That movie is, it's a hard one for me to get through the mother and how isolated and lonely Carrie was. And it, and yes, it's obviously scary as well, but to me, it just feels like it's a, dep- it's a hard one for me to get through. Yeah. It's one of the OG statements on bullying to, in my opinion. And mm-hmm. also the mother is 
abusively religious. Yeah. So you find I out. I see your dirty pillows. <laughs> <laughs> she locks her in the closet. She terrifies her. She's so strict and so awful. And even though I told you guys a story about how my family, you know, dipped their toes in, in religion there for a chunk of time, it was never like that. And it was never abusive. And it was, it was never any of that. So, but also, as we know, when we go to the movies and we have some psychology going on around, in this case, religion, could be anything, and the movie takes it to the nth degree, that's the part that psychologically where we're like working through, right? Right. So it's, it's exponential. And so it's so overt in the movies that we can then say, oh, well, it's not that bad in my world. Or we can really just be so fascinated by how it can go awry. And I thought for me, both movies were interesting in that way because it could be a cautionary tale for me. Yep. Like if you allow your belief system to go crazy, this is kind of how it can get really religious. It can get, I mean, really rigid was the word that I meant. <laughs> We're already in slip. It could get really rigid or it could be abusive or you could want to foist your thoughts and opinions and ideas on other people and on all of that. And it's probably why I viewed in college, I skewed in college toward world religions. I studied all kinds of different faith systems. I don't attest to being part of one one faith system at all. Mm -hmm. I, I'm very interested in faith systems and I read about a lot of different ones and I understand and because I'm interested in mythology yeah. and I see it as some of our most profound and interesting and influential cultural mythology. So that's probably why I skewed that way is because I had these kind of corrective experiences, not just in horror movies, but in other types of media, but certainly in these two uh, movies that I mentioned today. And that's how some of these horror films made me because I can see their influence on, I didn't want to become that. I don't think it was that cause and effect. I think it was much more unconscious to me mm -hmm. because I'm only obviously analyzing it now, but I can see how those early experiences and seeing these kinds of villains, because she, that mom is a real villain. Oh, she's terrible. She's terrifying. She's the real villain. Not the, I mean, yes, this girl gets bullied and, and is treated awfully, but that mom turns out to be the real kind of bad guy in yep. this movie. Agreed. Because she creates a daughter who is so scared of her own shadow. That's right. And goes into school and then is scared of her own shadow. And as we do know, <laughs> we can all have different experiences as girls, as teenagers, but we all definitely know that being a teenage girl, if you let them see you sweat... <laughs> You're in trouble. Yeah. The vulnerability of being a teenager is very hard socially. It's not super acceptable to be vulnerable as a teenager. That wasn't what we did. We rode bikes and, you know, had latchkey kids and stayed out until 11. Yeah. And, you know, we're generally badasses. That was that generation's kind of reputation. Sure. So it's a good one. I'll give yeah. you that. Thank you. There's so many I could talk about, but being that this is our first episode doing this type yeah. of thing, yeah. I cannot not bring up 
the reason, well, not the reason. I'll say this. By the, the reason for living? By the time this movie became what it was for me, I was a huge horror fan and I was 10. Sweet. Okay. And the movie's The Lost Boys. <laughs> Shocker to those of you. If Blue's listening to this, she's eye rolling hard. Her (laughs) eyes are coming out of her head. But hold with it. Yeah. (laughs) You got to hear why. (laughs) So the Lost Boys to me was one of the first real horror comedies Mm -hmm. of our generation. Sure. 1987, If You Live Under a Rock, it was a 1987 American supernatural horror film, dark comedy, directed by Joel Schumacher, produced by Harvey Bernhard. This film was supposed to be very different. The kids were, the the cast were supposed to be much younger. And I, th- I think it was either Joel Schumacher, uh, I think it was Joel Schumacher who said, I have a better idea. I want to make them sexy and I want to make them a little bit older. Yeah. And I think that's really what did it because make them hot. the Lost Boys made vampires cool. Yeah, they and sure they did. made vampires cool in a way that was also very comedic. It was relatable. It was about, you know, these kids that move from a big city to Santa Carla, which is, is uh, a made up town. It's comparable. And, and it was a lot of it was filmed in, in San Carlos and, and, San Francisco and they recreate and make this town that essentially becomes like the Detroit (laughs) of the Bay. And, you know, it's, it's becomes this murder capital. So, you know, uh, Jason Patrick and Corey Haim and are the two sons of Diane Weiss. And they move in with her father, who's the cast is so great in this. Um, I mean, if you ever wondered why Corey Feldman became a star. Yeah. Barnard Hughes (laughs) plays the Diane Weiss father and um, she just gets a divorce. So she's like, you know, he took everything and we got to go live with my father and guy has no TV. He does taxidermy. (laughs) It's there's so much funny stuff. And then on top of that, you have a cast of vampires like Alex Winter and uh, Jamie Gertz and uh, and uh, Kiefer Sutherland. Um, I mean, it's such a great mix of sexy and edgy and funny and quirky. So it became sort of this really pivotal moment in horror culture. So I just, I want to, I'm going to throw a little shade for a moment as a joke kindly oh my god to <laughs> so much premise <laughs> all right that's listen. what you say when you're about to be a dick <laughs> well listen we all know dead meat podcast right sure. so much respect for you guys but i laughed really hard because there's such a generational gap you reviewed this i watched your review on this and and i already knew going into it i'm like this is gonna be a tall order because this is one of my favorite movies yeah that would be I, my I, I, that would be hard you guys it was so funny to me that you both decide you you didn't like it the first time you saw it which i'm like what i've never heard anyone say that i know right um you did you didn't really get it there and there were three comments that just hit me like right in the fucking gut. The first one was, "Why did Corey Feldman have that voice?" Well, I mean, he was a frog brother. He was he was overcompensating. He was trying to be something. He was trying to be this big deal. It was, you know, he he thought he was this manly man, and he was stood all of like four eleven, right? <laughs> right. Um, we needed less Corey Haim. No one has what? ever said that ever. ever. 
<laughs> we needed less Corey Haim. Clearly you missed the culture beat on that. Yeah, um, for sure. So, and then also not liking it the first time you watched it and didn't understand it. Um, yeah, no one has ever said that ever. This movie is a generational piece. And so I, when I listened to that dead meat, my rebuttal to you is you're wrong. And this is one of the best. And honestly, like when it came out, it, I think Roger Ebert only gave it two and a half stars. And then it became this cult hit. But there is a huge generational component to understanding why this movie was so important. And for many folks, even if you didn't like horror, it just became an instant favorite. Yeah, I mean, it's of its time. Now, that's not to say it doesn't work anymore, in my opinion. Maybe it doesn't because there are a ton of cultural references and, and, you know, on our mini casts, we're going to do the full, uh, universal monsters. And those are all from way back in the day. And so they do have a different vibe, right? The acting's different, et cetera. So the Lost Boys is the same, Yeah, but like, what's not to like, what's not to understand? Well, yeah, it's be- not complicated. Being confused is a whole other <laughs> problem. Like. How are you confused? I don't know, but no one's ever said we need less Corey Haim. No, he was fucking adorable. Yeah, and he was the low-key queer queer character that they just could not talk about. I mean, he's got a picture of Rob Lowe pretty much in his underwear on his bedroom wall. Yeah, I mean, the identity piece. And Barnard Hughes is so brilliant in it. Diane Weiss is so brilliant in it. Jason Patrick is great. Oh my God, they're all... I mean, it made Kiefer Sutherland like crazy famous. And what's her face? Jamie Gertz. The hot girl. that like star. Like she says, you know, 10 things in that movie and it made her a huge star. Tina Turner saxophonist. I mean... Come on. Come on, people. Vampires everywhere. I have that cover. Do you? (laughs) Nice. It's... that's enough. Yeah, said. that's all you got to say. All right. Oh, there's a little bit of passion. We had some passion today. Well, Chelsea that's... and James, watch it again. <laughs> and again, and again, and again. That would be your torture chamber is just making anyone who doesn't like the last watch, it over, watch it over and over again with headphones on. <laughs> All right. Thank you all for coming. <laughs> thanks for thanks for having us in your ears. We very much appreciate you. Be sure to follow us on all the things. And if you so choose and you, you like us, you could show your uh, support by leaving us a review on Spotify or iTunes, or you can consider joining our community on Patreon where there's a ton of extra content on there for you. Thank you so much for listening. This has been an episode of Terror Talk. My name is Shannon. And I'm Kathy. Sleep safe, everyone.